The Mindspo Podcast. What do you see with your mind's eyes? Welcome back. Let's elevate. Roll your shoulders up and back. Unclench your jaw. Elongate your spine as you take a deep breath in. And now, exhale. Now take your mind to that person, place, or thing that you have gratitude for and start to feel into the joy available to you at all times. Elevate into a higher vibration as we expand together and dive into this conversation. Welcome back to the Mindspo podcast. You are tuning in for another episode of Deep Diving with the Souls. I am here with my partner in crime, my partner in life and in business, the co-founder of Mindspo and Manifesty, Crystal. Hey, hello, baby. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Back again. You are back again. We are doing another much requested episode. We did our first volume of this the other week, and it was all on conscious entrepreneurship, which was the first time we have dived into business on the Mindspoke podcast. And you loved it. Everyone listening loved it. We got so much beautiful feedback from that episode. So if you want another episode like this, you can go back. We'll put it in the show notes to the first volume of Conscious Business. And this is something we could talk about a lot. And we wanted to dive into three more things that could be really helpful on your business or entrepreneurial journey. As we said last episode, whether you're on an entrepreneurial journey or not, these things will really help you in life. They're all little mindset tricks and hacks and shifts and I really do feel like entrepreneurship is life school. (laughs) I've learned more from entrepreneurship than I have learned from really anything else in my life. It is constantly putting us through tests and tribulations, highs and lows. So I'm really excited to get into this one. And as am I. Can I just do a little bit of ASMR? Oh, it's your favorite drink. Wait, wait for this. Can you guys guess what this is? Ready? Wait. How good does that sound? You have to do yours now. Oh, you, I didn't even know you put one here. Ready? Ready? Clap. All right. Oh. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so I am one week away from finishing my one year of being sober. And since I have been sober for a year, I have become addicted to these things called Polaris soda water. It is a soda water that you'll only ever find, I think, in Indonesia. I they These guys don't even have an Instagram. And if they did have an Instagram, I would be their biggest ambassador. I am obsessed with this kind of soda water. So that, wait, can you hear the tingles? That tingling sound. Is our ice cold soda water. I love how this has just become your absolute replacement for <laughs> alcoholic beverages. You've romanticized this random soda water brand. We actually bought a whole slab of these the other day and we filled the entire fridge with like 24 of them. Honestly, it's I'm great. obsessed. Like this, Abundant. <laughs> it is the best of soda water. The bubbles to water ratio, it really makes me happy. Mm. It is, it's something that I get excited about on a daily basis. Love My it. favorite thing to do is when the tides are low in Uluwatu, what we do is we get on the scooter, I pack two soda waters, we go down to Dreamland Beach and we just sit and chill out and lay in the ocean. Lay in the water while we're drinking water. (laughs) While we drink an ice cold water. (laughs) 
Am I a mermaid or am I a mermaid? It's the little things. It's the little things. And I think that's a a big part of what we're going to get into today as well. One of our points is we're going to be talking more about how important it is as entrepreneurs to appreciate the little things Mm. and to rest and to relax. And I think that for us in recent years has become a really big part of our journey in business because we've realized that this isn't like a sprint. It's really a marathon. And I feel like if you want longevity in life and in business, you have to put your health and your wellness first. And that really means that you have to actually realize that like rest is part of the journey. Well, I think we should just jump straight into our first gold nugget then, which is exactly this. This was meant to be number two, but why don't we start with it? We'll dive into it. So rest. Rest. Huge. Yeah. Not talked about enough. No. Not romanticized enough. No. Not focused on enough. And I don't think it... gets as much credit as what it needs. I think there was this really big uprising of, it was like the cult of hustle culture. You remember like the last maybe eight years or so? It's now it's been changing. You can really sense it's not being harped on about anymore so much. But I remember like eight years ago, 10 years ago, six years ago, there was just this whole like, you know, if you'd make one piece of content, you can cut it into 500 pieces and then grind it out all day. And if you work three times as hard as somebody else, you'll get there three times faster. And it's like, that's cool. But there's a bunch of things here. There's a bunch of things to unpack. Number one is, do you just want to be rushing through life? Do you want to just be trying to grind it out and get to the end? Guess what? The end isn't the end. The end was the journey to the end. Mm. And I think, once again, clarifying what we define as conscious business is like it's mindful business. It's business with a soul. It's business in alignment. It's the ability to work and create value, but to enjoy the journey as much as possible. Not, Not always. We're not going to absolutes here. But in general, just realizing that there is a real value in not doing And you and me, we've gone through phases where Mm. we've just worked Saturday and Sunday and then Monday to Friday and it just keeps going. But I think especially in the last couple of years, realizing that like this is a marathon, this is a marathon. And also the big takeaway really is when you think about it, we're told this idea of you got to work hard in life. And it's like, yes, absolutely. Hard work is 100% is a part of the equation, right? Going the distance, being being relentless, showing up, up, all that stuff. It's definitely a part of it. But at the same time, you have to remember that when you see someone who's who runs a business and they've managed to amass whatever, $10 million or something over their lifetime. If you now looked at somebody else who might work a normal job, or maybe they even have another job of some sort, another business of some sort, and this person has $10,000 in the bank. Is the person with $10 million, have they worked like a hundred times, a thousand times harder than that other person? It's rarely the case, rarely if ever. There is an inverse truth there. And it's more about finding leverage. It's about compound interest. It's about outsourcing and getting help. It's about focusing on what's most important first, that is in most alignment, that has the biggest result in the long term. Mm -hmm. It's not just about blindly grinding it out and just making like almost a fetish out of how exhausted you are and how much you've wrecked yourself in the process. Because that is something we do as humans. We congratulate each other on how wrecked we are. We're like, how you been? Oh, I'm so 
so busy. God, you know, I've just been working so hard. Mm. It's like that's not necessarily a good thing. That isn't necessarily a good thing. That that could be like, how's your car drive? Oh, great. There's a screeching sound because I drive with my handbrake on, but it drives well. It's just, I think, realizing that if you're going to punch, you're going to have to first pull the arm back. Like it's two steps forward, one step back. You need to rest and recuperate so that you can also think clearly, so that you can do your best work, so that you can single focus on one thing at a time. I think this is why you and me also find meditation to be such a integral part, like quieting the noise inside the head so that you can then get back to it with a blank canvas, a clean slate. So you're not thinking about everything you've got to do at the same time in one way or another, but you're fully present and focused on one thing. And ideally, it's the thing that gets you the most distance with the least work first so yeah in life i personally feel like it's not about what you do it's more about the energy behind what you do so you have to look at what it is that you're doing and what it is that you're trying to achieve and ask yourself like what is the energy that i'm putting behind the action and if you are putting this exhausted grinding going slugging energy then that's what you're showing up with that's what you're giving to it and i feel like when we actually take time to step back and to rest that's when we can actually recharge our energy and when we go to do the things that we need to do in our business or in our life we're going to do them with a much more aligned energy Mm. and i feel like when we make our goal in life alignment that's when we're going to get results yep and i mean think about it so if you're thinking about your work from the perspective of like oh my god it's so hard oh i'm just working so hard it's like you know what you put out is what you get back then your work will be like, okay, let's keep manifesting hard situations and long days and exhausted energy. Mm. Like you get back what you put out. One of my favorite little lessons or questions to ask myself was actually something I learned at the beginning of one of Tim Ferriss's books. I think it's Tools of Titans or something, where he said in the beginning that he really wanted to write this book, but he had all this stuff going on in his life. And he's like, how do I create another work for my community? And then he asked himself this question, which is like, what would this look like if it were easy? Mm. And, you know, just to get out of this like hustle grinding mentality. And he realized that he has such a massive network of interesting high performers. So he just spent a little bit of time and wrote an email. And in that email, he asked a whole bunch of real high value open-ended questions. And then he blasted it out to a list of God knows how many entrepreneurs and investors and everything else. And a percentage of those wrote back and answered all the questions. He put it all together and published it as a book. And it's an amazing book. It's like you have all these gold nuggets from hundreds of super successful, intelligent, high-achieving people. And it took next to no effort on his behalf compared to the effort that most people would put into writing a book. Mm. So like asking yourself, what's most important? What's most in alignment? And what would this look like if it were easy? I love that. That's yeah. such a good action point. Big time. My, my second action point, just to extend on that, is to ask yourself in life, how is it that you rest? And I'm not talking about sitting on the couch, scrolling the gram and going through memes. I'm asking, like, how is it that you really rest and rejuvenate? What is it that your soul feels recharged after. For me personally, this is the beach. This is going down to the ocean. This is literally sitting in a puddle of water with a soda water. 
that regulates, recharges, reinvigorates me. For you, it might be climbing a mountain or getting outside or going with your dog or hanging out with your girlfriends or spending time with your family. But you have to get really clear on what is it that fills up your cup and then schedule that time and protect that time. Be a tiger with that time. Literally, fiercely protect that time and make sure that you implement it into your life. Because when you are disconnected from the things that fill you up for a long time, what ends up happening? You end up serving, showing up, pushing, grinding with an empty cup. And when you have an empty cup, you're not really serving anyone and you're literally just draining yourself. So that is our first one, putting it out there, conscious entrepreneurship, rest, recharge. Don't feel upset about resting, like romanticize resting. I'm honestly on my Instagram. If you look on my feed, I'm constantly talking about this concept of having big dreams and slow living. I want to invite and encourage and influence a culture in this day and age where you can dream big, but you can also live slow. Just because you have big dreams, because you want to achieve big things, doesn't mean that you have to always be making big moves and exhausting yourself and pushing yourself to the absolute absolute limit. You can expand in alignment and that expansion in alignment is going to not only feel so good to you, but it is going to feel so much better to the people around you. Yeah. I feel like it's about your value structure, right? It's like learning to value sacred idleness. Mm -hmm. You're realizing that you're recharging. Mm -hmm. This is necessary. This is essential It's not just like, oh, you know, some low value thing. It's not a waste of time. I think one thing that just before we move on that really hit home for me on this point is when I realize that the present moment is all there ever is and we become accustomed to what we do and we are creatures of habit. So we're always going into repetition in our mind. I had this realization that if you do not learn to rest now mm. on the way to success, mm. you will not learn to rest when you reach success. There isn't this point that you get to where you become successful and all of a sudden you then become a chiller. You then become someone who doesn't mm. care. You continue with the same energy that you've been going in. So you actually have to realize that it's not that when you get to whatever it is that you're going to be want to get to that you're going to stop and be like, okay, I'm just going to stop now. Chances are if you've been on the grind and you've been going for it, and you've been hitting it, that is just the energy that you are addicted to, that you're you're, you're yeah. going to just keep pushing and, and you, won't, you won't know how to slow down. Yeah. So learning how to slow down on the journey and cliche as it sounds, literally the journey is the destination. Like your life has only ever lived in this moment. So enjoy the moment, enjoy the process because we never know how long we've got left. Yeah. And one of the biggest regrets of the dying is that people wish they'd allowed themselves to be happier. They wish they'd allowed themselves to follow their own path. Mm -hmm. So like get off the treadmill and realize that this is the only moment. And you're going to be performing better when you are revitalized Mm -hmm. and you're rejuvenated. And you can make those moments when you're doing that, moments that you can really enjoy, where you can really reward yourself along the way. All right. Our next point. Next point. Next point is realizing and understanding that collaboration is the key to success. Uh, And learning to play to your strengths and allowing others to play to their strengths mm -hmm. and practicing it. It's like we – look, we live in a culture that's – 
very focused on the individual. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in a Western country, you might have grown up in a family where your parents were encouraging you to be the best and number one and get the trophy. And we have this number one mentality. And it can lead us into this illusion of thinking that the lone wolf is the way to go. Mm. It's how you can keep all the equity and get all of the success. And But you're just diminishing your own capacity and you're spreading yourself too thin. And it's so funny. We see these stories of these individuals, these like towers of achievement mm. in culture, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, the Richard Bransons. And it's you can fall into the illusion that they're this one single individual that's doing it all. But if you really look closer, they'll be the first to tell you that they are not the ones doing most of the stuff. They are only able to do what they do because there are people supporting them. And so the question is, at what point should you seek to get some help? And in all honesty, it's if you are starting a business, if you are growing a business, if you are coaching people, if you're doing whatever it is you're doing, if you're finding that you're doing a lot of work that doesn't feel in alignment, that you're not doing very well, that is taking away from the most valuable part of the job because maybe you're teaching people less, you're creating less content, you're building less products, whatever it might be, because you're caught up in administration and stuff and that's actually not what you want to be doing, then consider finding some help. And finding help before you feel ready for it. So if you're waiting for the moment when you're like, I'm really ready to hire someone now, it's probably already too late. You've probably waited way longer than you should have. Your brain may not even allow you to think about all the stuff that someone could do for you until you are literally talking to someone and you're like, what would this person's job description look like? No one is good at everything. And there are people out there who are amazing at the things that you suck at. Okay, like the stuff that's at the absolute bane of your existence is the kind of thing that somebody else is brushing their teeth to being like, oh my God, I love numbers. I love organizing things. I love supporting others. These people exist. There's a lot of them out there and they're looking for work. They're looking to work with inspired individuals to join the team. All I can say is if somebody can do a job 70% as good as you, you should consider outsourcing that job. And finding somebody who's going to be absolutely in their bliss doing that. Now, of course, hire the best people you possibly can. It's not something to save on ideally. If you are going to save more, if you want to hire somebody and only spend a tiny amount or something like that, then pay attention to passion somebody who's willing to learn, somebody who's hungry, mm. that is probably the better quality to focus on than, than expertise necessarily. But yeah, it's just realizing that if you're going to be successful, then it's natural that your business and your services and everything would grow. And as whatever it is that you're doing is growing, your focus should become narrower and narrower and narrower as you try to make yourself obsolete. So that the only thing you're doing in the end, ideally, is the thing where you are the absolute whiz at. You're in the top 1%. No one's going to replace you at doing this thing. Like that's when you're in your absolute bliss, your absolute flow zone. But it begins by letting someone in. 
I think the point that you said here that I really want to highlight is doing this before you're ready. I feel like so many entrepreneurs and so many people in life literally wait for this feeling of being ready. And I've said this on the podcast before, ready is not a feeling, it's a decision. The thing is, there will not really ever come a point in your business where you feel necessarily ready to hire the person or make the investment. No one that we have ever hired or invested in was in a point where we felt ready. It was always a stretch in some way or form in every single stage of our business. Mindspo now has a team of like uh, one, two, three, I think four, four full-timers. Four full-timers. And then a whole bunch of- And then know, we have a whole bunch of- you know, App developers. App developers and Design and all studios. That. And, and, and that's grown over time. Like there were times where we struggled to pay one person and that was like a massive stretch for us. And I think the thing that you have to realize here is- When you stop thinking about it from your point of view, the best thing that's helped me with this is one of the most incredible things in business is when you actually realize that you giving someone a job is giving them an opportunity to make money, to support themselves, to do what they're passionate about, and then to also make a difference. And this to me has changed the game with hiring people so much. I am constantly thinking about how can I make someone's dream job a reality? What is it that I'm doing that is not my forte, that isn't my dream, that isn't filling me up, that I I can give to someone else that is like, you know what, Rochelle, I love spreadsheets. I love looking at analytics. I love looking at the metrics. And I'm like, all right, babe, you've got a job, <laughs> you know, or my accountant who's just like, I really love analyzing where you're overspending and canceling subscriptions for you. I'm like, great, amazing. I'm so excited for you. Or someone that's like, you know, I, I love taking all your videos and putting them in short form or doing this. Like there are so many people out there that have an absolute passion for all these specific things that we are now required to do in a business, especially a digital business. And when you can push yourself to employ those people and to give them opportunities, not only is it going to free up time for you, but it is also going to bring in other people's minds that are going to think differently to you, that are going to add things to the table. And that's the most exciting thing because these people, they're not you. And that's the beautiful thing. A lot of people have this thing, I feel like, with entrepreneurship, oh, no one could do it because they're not me. It's like, exactly. That's why someone else should do it because they're not you. And you need more people in your business thinking about the problems that you're trying to solve that aren't you. Because how do we get better? We get better through collaboration, through coming together. I think that's this arrogant thing that we can have as entrepreneurs. And I've definitely been in this where no one can do this as good as me. No one gets it. It's okay. Maybe there are some things that you really understand, but you are not the one giant mind, the all-seeing oracle of everything. And I feel like when we can open ourselves up to collaboration, it just creates such change. A really good action point for this, if you're listening to this, is one of the first things that we ever did in our business is we went and hired a Filipino VA. So there's a job site called onlinejobs.ph, which is a Filipino company. And there are so many people in the Philippines that are basically, they have like an American education system. So their English is really good. They're incredible at customer service. They know lots of admin tasks. They understand spreadsheets and Excel, customer service. Super trustworthy. Super trustworthy. Most of them are Christian. So 
online jobs.ph is also really great because they have a bunch of like tests and stuff built into the platform so you can see yeah. like percentage points and scores and and yeah you can it was incredible and our first yeah. ever employee was called hazel, hazel and she was from the philippines yep. and it was so incredible to be able to hire her at the time what we were paying her felt like oh yeah we can achieve this and through hiring hazel that was our catalyst to hire everyone else that we've hired we now have people that work to our team are mainly european so we have katie who is from the uk who spends a lot of time in bali we have Ines who works for us who's worked with me for six years who edits this podcast who i love and adore and is my favorite person in the world Ines is from portugal and then we have Annalise who's come on to our team in the last year who is from the netherlands and chang in vietnam and mo and, 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 uh, and, and mo and lahore pakistan <laughs> who works on manifesty like we have a completely international team sure. and yuri in croatia yeah andrew in the ukraine ajmia now our, our quality assurance <laughs> Customer Agent. service for Manifesty, yep. who is there ironing out all the bugs and tech problems. But this, I think this idea of outsourcing is if you were scared of it, I can tell you now take the leap and just do yeah. it. Yeah. Go and hire your first VA. Go and work with people. Just give people little tiny tasks that feel uncomfortable for and, you to pass over and, and ideally, just trust them. Ideally, don't hire yourself. Watch out for the cognitive trap of, oh, yes. of hiring people who you really get along with. And oh my God, they're just like me. And we are we vibe on such a level. Like, don't get me wrong. It, it might work depending on whatever it is you're doing. But ideally, you want to hire people who help you with your shortcomings and your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. If you really want to go deep down into this, then you Utilize personality tests, get familiar with those because people will tell you what they're good at, but sometimes they don't even know what they're really good at. And they might be like, I'm amazing at customer service, but that could be because they had a customer service job that was really easy and their manager praised them all day long. But really, they're a pretty mediocre customer service person. They'd be much better with analytics or something. Mm. So if you do personality tests, they do give you a much more accurate picture and you can figure out what kind of job role requires what kind of personality type. And then you can see where people sit. Cause I honestly, this planet, so many people are sitting in the wrong jobs and they're wondering why every day feels like pain. And it's just because it's a mismatch. There is something that you're amazing at and you're just not utilizing that. If you really want to just increase your chances of having like a home run with every hire, then like spend the time to figure out how these personality types fit into different types of roles. The funny thing is even a lot of human resources companies that do the hiring for you, they don't even utilize this, which is wild. It's such an underutilized factor. So yeah. Yeah. I honestly- There's a bunch of different tests you can do. Hiring people, it's it's the biggest leap that you'll make in your business, sure. especially if you're first like starting out. it's meant out. to feel uncomfortable. It's meant to feel uncomfortable. It'll be the most rewarding thing. And I can tell you now through having a conscious business and growing multiple businesses, the joy of my business is the people that I work For with. Sure. They are what make our companies and they are- really the motivation for me. Also, I think from a spiritual and conscious level, like when you realize that not only are you there to serve your customers, you're obviously there to serve yourself and to look after yourself, to earn money, to be able to do the things that you want to do. But when you become responsible for a team, oh my gosh, it is a kick up your ass. You're like, okay, I really need to start looking at things because you are all of a sudden responsible for someone else's income. And I think that is a a really beautiful thing. We we don't have kids, right? So we are very much lone wolves. We don't have many dependents, but I feel like my team, 
I'm not going to call my team my children, but I do feel very responsible for helping them and helping them grow. And I think that when you start to realize that it's not just about you and you can actually contribute to the world in such a a big way by giving people their dream job. 100%. It's epic. All right. Last one for today. We're going to talk about excluding to include. Mm. And this one is interesting. I feel like we are living in a time and a space and a reality where there is a big focus on inclusion. And it's really important to be inclusive, to basically allow people to be seen in media and in marketing and to really create a space where everyone feels like there is something for them. But I do feel like sometimes this idea of we have to be for everyone gets stuck into the psyche of business owners where they feel like they have to be talking to everyone and everything at all times. And this can actually suffocate you in a business sense. And what it can actually lead to is you actually not really serving anyone. I'll give you an example of this. If you are a a mom that has just had kids and you have learned how to look after your postpartum body and really create an incredible program for postpartum bodies, right? For people that have just gone through pregnancy and are coming home to themselves, recovering their pelvic floor and everything. If you made, obviously you can tell that I haven't done that before with my language that I use. I haven't been a pregnant woman, but if you basically had this program that you created and instead of actually marketing it to moms that have just gone through birth and are learning to come home to themselves and recover their body, you instead marketed this product to everyone who wanted to tone up and to look after themselves and to create strength and to create strong abs you're probably not really going to be getting that many people because there are loads of programs out there for people that want to create strength and health and look after their abs. If you instead marketed that product to the problem that you are able to solve, the transformation that you have had within yourself and you got really specific about it, what's going to happen? A mom that has just had a kid is going to be scrolling on their Instagram feed and they're going to be like, oh, finally, someone's created a program for me, for my specific thing that I've gone through. And then you're actually going to create a really strong bond with someone who will probably end up becoming your customer. That is an example of excluding to include. And I think that people are quite scared of this. They're quite scared of getting specific. They feel like I have to be broad. I have to be for everyone. I have to speak to everyone. And it's like, if you are for everyone, then chances are you're from for no one, unless you're selling vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I think something to realize is that being not very specific when you're creating and when you're marketing and when you're bringing something out there to the market to solve a problem is so common and so easy. It's like step one, right? You're like, I'm going to make a, a fitness program. All right, fitness. Okay, I'm going to do push-ups and chin-ups and whatever. And then you put it out there and you wonder why it's crickets and nobody's noticing anything, right? It's like we're lazy like that. People, we are lazy and we build things for ourselves first. So we're like, oh, of course, everyone's going to get what I'm trying to do here, right? Yeah, this is great. It's like the lesson here really is that the more specific you can get, the more powerful your program, product, whatever it is, service, whatever it is you're making, like spend the time. And this is like, this is such basic shit. You always hear this. It's figure out who you're talking but to. No one does it. Like but, but hardly it's anyone like people does treat it. people treat this like boring homework. Yeah. And like, yeah, it is homework, right? It's like before you go and create whatever it is you're going to create, 
the more time you spend to actually figure out who the hell am I talking to? What is the problem I'm trying to solve? Mm. And not just what do I think is the problem I'm trying to solve? Like, no, no, no. Talk to people who actually have the problem. If you don't know what you want to do yet, figure out a bunch of problems. Talk to people who have those problems until you notice intuitively that like one of them stands out. Like, oh, that one. Maybe it's obviously one way you can do this is if if you're creating something for a past version of yourself. If you're like, oh, I used to have this problem. I figured out this solution. I did a program. I did a course. I had this big download. Then it can be a little bit easier because you remember, you can remember what it felt Mm. like to be the customer, to be the person who had that problem. But you want to get really, really, specific and for instance there's all these like step one mistakes that people will just make number one is i'm going to show off with like how i talk about this don't do that you don't need to flex with the language no one wants to hear about how magnificent your service is people want to hear what the words are that are inside of their own head yes so you got to figure out what are people saying inside of their head go and post some surveys do some interviews read the comments under social posts follow pages about this problem start seeing the patterns it's oh okay i can see that like most people when they describe this problem use these exact words mm. okay that's you doing your homework now you can be like okay when i write my big headline in my sales page when i come up with my first hook in my sales video I'm going to use the exact words that people are echoing inside of their brain so that that person goes, whoa, hang on a minute. This is for me. This guy's talking to me. And I want to say here what I think why this is a conscious business hack is so many people have this idea that, oh, I have to be for everyone. Mm. And when you try and be for everyone and solve everyone's problems, then you're probably not creating that deeper of a transformation. So when you can really start to narrow in on who is that specific person, what is the specific pain points that they are having, what are the problems you are solving, then you are actually showing up so much more from like a heart-centered place of, I really know what you're going through. I can really help. And don't be afraid in business to actually turn away people. And I think people are so petrified of this. And we've learned this in retreats and in so many different things that we've done, coaching programs. There are things that people will come to me being like, oh, can you solve this problem? I will happily turn around and reply to someone and say, I actually don't think my services are for you. Mm. Because as a heart-led business, do I feel like I can guide someone through a really specific trauma incident that they're going through right now where they're in a recovery from a drug and alcohol thing. Is that my area of expertise? No, that's not what I can help you with right now. So rather than just being like, yeah, of course I can help you. I'll actually say no, but hey, here is this other place that can. We have people comment all the time. Why don't you do men's retreats? Where are the men's retreats? Where is the stuff for men? Why are you just for women? And the simple answer is because we've narrowed in on women and we're very specific we're about doubling down on what serving works. Serving women. Yeah. And I can direct you to so many different men's retreats, men's centers that I recommend that are great, but these are not for men. And I think people get nervous in this cultural space to actually exclude. And there's this idea that everything is for everyone. And I think that it's beautiful that we have had this cultural shift, but at the same- It comes from a good place. No, but at the same time, I think the cultural shift is incredible. But I think the backswing and the danger is that when you start saying you can help or serve people that you actually aren't in a position or an area of expertise to help and serve. So you have to get specific about what is my bandwidth 
who can I actually create transformation in? What do I know? If you aren't trained in something and someone comes to you and they want that transformation, don't say, yeah, I can help. Don't be the personal trainer that says, I can really help you train your body after you've been pregnant, but you've never worked with someone who is postpartum. You've never done that training. I think it's so important to understand that and to not try and just say, I can help everyone when you really can't. Yeah. It's you think that you're doing everyone a a service by being so open and so accepting, but what it comes like, it comes at the cost of deep connection Mm. because you you can't deeply connect with everyone at the same time Mm. while you're trying to solve a specific problem. Like, you shouldn't try to find 10 different customers. Mm. Ideally, you find one customer and then you find 10 of that That one customer. customer. And this doesn't mean your entire business needs to revolve around one tiny little niche or something, but each thing you create ideally has one individual in mind, Mm. one person, one story, one experience, one transformation. And then you build the entire journey from the beginning to after, whatever it is that you're trying to facilitate, you build everything around that one individual person. You keep that one person in mind and that's who you're speaking to on the other side of the lens. If you're making some piece of content, some ad, some sales video, you're talking to that one individual. And then that's how you're gonna create the biggest transformation that's gonna clarify your thinking as well. It's going to clarify what you spend your money on, who you're targeting with your ads. It's going to help you go deeper as an expert in your field to really narrow in. I mean, like, I know how to provide a transformation for this person going through this thing, because then you will become a specific expert in it. And I want to say one thing before you go on. I think if this stresses you out, because I think The reason why people do this is because they're worried about exclusion. They're worried about not being able to help everyone. So they just want to say yes to everyone. They want to people please. If you're worried about that, I I totally get it. What you need to do is you need to figure out the people that are coming to you that want help or want assistance or want your product that you actually can't serve, that isn't really for them. Find a product or find a service or find a person that solves that person's problem. So for example, I have a bunch of men's retreats saved in my phone. So when someone comes to me and messages me saying, I want a men's retreat, why don't you do men's retreats? I'm so annoyed that you're only doing women. Isn't that a bit sexist? I go, hi, here are some men's retreats. Or if someone comes to me and they're like, I want this specific thing for trauma. And I go, "Mm, I don't think I'm the right person to guide you with that. I'll go, here are some great facilitators that do that. Mm. And I think if you can find solutions to people's problems that don't have to be, you can just pass that on and just know that that's part of your service. You don't even have to do that. But I think that if it worries you, then just think, find their solution for them and just pass it on with love. I want to highlight, I want to give an example that kind of illustrates how the more specific you can be Mm -hmm. and the more you actually exclude in that sense, right? You, by including, you are excluding. The more specific you can be, the more valuable something will become, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine you are a personal trainer and you want to create a program. You're like, I want to create a program, help people get fit. Okay, so you make a workout program, a six-week workout program with the goal of creating more muscle mass and being a little more lean and flexibility and whatever else, right? Cool. So you make this six-week program, you put in a bunch of exercises, and you release it out into the world. And here is my six-week transformation, health, and fitness program. 
well, guess what? There's 10,000 other programs out there. So the perceived value will be how much? $69, $49, $100, you know, sounds about right. Okay. Will most people resonate with it? Probably not. It doesn't really have much oomph to it. Okay. Now let's say you got a little more specific. You said, all right, you know what? There are people who work, who stand up all day long and certain tendons atrophy and certain things stiffen up. And I want to talk to those people specifically. So now I've made a program, which is a six week transformation program, flexibility and muscle mass for shift workers, people who stand in work specifically, maybe nurses, for instance, you say nurses in hospitals are standing up all day long. They're getting back pains and aches and stuff. Okay, cool. So now you've made a six-week program for shift nurses. Guess what? The program is exactly the same. It's basically exactly the same stuff, but you're now you're speaking to people in a specific industry. All right. Now this program is about $299 and people in that, those jobs would be like that. Wow. Wonderful. You're speaking to me specifically. Now, imagine you went one level deeper and you said, all right, I've made a six-week transformation program, flexibility and muscle mass and health and vitality for shift workers, specifically women over the age of 50. So 50 plus nurses, shift workers, people who work in shops who stand up all day long. This is your program specifically, six weeks. You could charge $600 for that program quite easily. And guess what? Those people would be like, oh my God, finally, someone's got me in mind. You could make all your marketing specific to that person. Mm -hmm. You could think about, you could go to shops and ask people like, hey, you stand up all day long. How long have you been doing this job? Oh, 15 years. Like, Do you have any specific pains? Oh yeah, my God, my back is always kicking. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to sit down. You can figure out exactly what those people's stories are. And you can also cater the program specifically because you'll find out that there are little nuances to the problem that you can now serve them much, much better. But yeah, it's just this, you don't need to target. If you're trying to target 100% of the market, you're targeting absolutely no one. Mm. And it's, yeah, but the and, more specific you can be. Yeah, and I think the more specific you are, the more fun you have with your business. Like yeah. the more specific I've gotten with all our different ventures, like the customer avatar for Manifesty, it's a more spiritual, esoteric customer avatar who likes Abraham Hicks and likes to go down to Dispenser and is really into personal development and is a little bit more on that. Uh, like, like honestly, esoteric. The Mindsburg customer is someone who's interested in personal development and spirituality, but maybe they're still living like a, a grounded life with a nine to five, but they're interested in these topics and they feel like they want a community and they're looking for people and they're wanting to dive deeper. They're wanting to have conversations. Mindsburg Retreats is someone who's wanting to go solo travel. It's a female that is in this point in her life that really wants to find herself and come home to herself. Like We have all these different niches and it allows me to really dive deep and get excited about who is this person? What are the pain points they're going through? And rather than just using normal like day-to-day -day language, yeah. I'm able to really have fun with the copywriting and the videos and the editing and the lights and the style because I'm speaking to that person. I'm creating an energy and an essence for that person. And I think that when you can get more specific, you can actually be of more service. Mm. And I think that you will actually find that you 
Uh, you feel more of service because you're able to create deeper transformation in people. When you try and be for everyone and you do everything for everything and then you're just trying to like basically people please to everyone, chances are like your reviews won't that be that good because someone will come and they'll be like, oh, this wasn't for me. And it's like, well, because probably it wasn't meant for you and the person didn't have you in mind and you would have been so much better going to this other thing. So I think that it's such a nuanced thing and I, I feel when we are in that, trying to please everyone, trying not to get criticized, people please a kind of energy. This idea of trying to be everything for everyone comes up in business. And the more you can get specific, the more you can have fun with your customer avatar, the more you can dive into something and do that boring piece of work that you hear in every single business course. What is your customer avatar? Like, honestly, the best thing we have ever done in our businesses at the beginning was actually it wasn't at the beginning. It was kind of when we were reinventing our businesses was to go back and be like, what is their name? What do they do? Who are they? What are they like? What do they dislike? And let's just talk to that person. And will there be people that aren't that person that are interested in the things that of we're course, doing? Yeah. Of course, but it becomes so much easier when you get specific and yeah. you also get specific in who you are and what you do to help one person and to solve that problem. You're going to have such a big transformation. Huh. There we go. I hope you enjoyed volume two. If you want a volume three, make sure to let us know to keep doing conscious business. Be sure to shout out this episode on social media. If you listened and enjoyed, just tag us on stories. I'm at Rochelle underscore Fox. Soul is at Chris Soul. And then Mindspo is at Mindspo. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you for joining me for this episode. You can discover more from Mindspo on Instagram and TikTok by following at Mindspo and myself at Rochelle underscore Fox. If this episode inspired you, then please pass it on and share the love. And if you're new to our world and you want to elevate your mind and step into your best self, then be sure to download our app Manifesty from the App Store and take advantage of the free trial. With Manifesty, you can create your own vision board movies, practice powerful meditations, and set affirmation reminders so your phone supports your journey towards that abundant vision of your future. And lastly, always remember, you create your own reality. So go and make some magic. Thank you.